This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado, The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. And here's Fox creeping forward. He pulls up, 18-footer. Aaron Fox puts the Kings on top. Makes one, stakes twice, gives the belly. 35-foot three for the win. When we're done, we can go chop it up, eat, golf, whatever you want to do. But 40, 48 minutes, I ain't about them games. Welcome back to another episode of the Kings Bulls Podcast. My name is Bernie Nunez. Got Rich Ivanowski on here, as we always do. What's going on, Rich? It's been a second, man. How you doing? What's up, Brendan? <laughs> How you doing good? Sorry to see your uh, Celtics out of the playoffs. Hey, you know. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we're all Miami fans now. All right. It's true. It's like, true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bam Adebayo is, uh, is the beast. And, and, uh. Yes, yes. It was a sad series. Missed opportunity for Boston. But I uh, I admittedly really like Miami. Like, Hero was ridiculous. Um, obviously, Bam as well. And I've always had a little bit of a thing for Jimmy, weirdly. Because um, mm-hmm. I have a close friend that's a really big Jimmy fan. So Get on board, man. I, I fully um, am. I fully yeah. am. It's the Lakers. Like, it could have been really yeah. anybody. Like, no, I mean it, it's a really, really likable team. It's like it's a it's a great team. It's a great culture. It's a great city. Um, you know, unlike Boston, of course, so drab, so cold, so blurry. Uh, and Los Angeles is the worst place on earth, of course. So yeah, I mean, I'm glad you're on board. I think we're all on board. Sacramento as a city is absolutely on board with the Heat. Yeah. Also. Uh, was this Doc Rivers news? Like, this happened today when we are recording this. Was this, like, insanely shocking to you as well? Like, I guess I somewhat understood, but still. It wasn't just because, I mean, the Clippers have, like, they're kind. this is kind of a thing at this point, right? Underachieving, at least in the playoffs. Yes, yes, but, like, it hasn't been that long. Like, I guess Doc's statement today was, like, you know, when he came in, he wanted to make it a winning organization, and he kind of did that. Like, he got the rosters, don't get me wrong, because it's still L.A., but it's a big improvement from where they were before. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I it, it, wasn't, it, it was surprising to me, but I just – it's I think that they were – I don't know the favorites, but, like, they were definitely, definitely yeah. favored to go further than, you know, they were definitely favored to go to the Western Conference Finals. So, I mean, it's a disappointment. It's a disappointment. So I'm not I'm not stunned by it. Um, I'm trying to think back of when exactly he crossed over to the Clippers. So it's 2013-14. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I get yeah. it. There were two, like – legitimate title contenders that kind of blew both their seasons, right? There was this 3-1, and then there was also a 3-1 when it was CP3 and Lob City against uh, Harden and the Rockets a while ago. He may have been a little bit lucky to survive that. That was really early on for him, but, yeah, I mean, that that was like the 
that was the first like crushing. Uh, yeah, they, they completely fell apart in that series, and then they rebuilt the team really quickly after moving on from Paul. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't know. I get it. What was your impression of him like with Boston all those years? Um, honestly, I was a little too young to really like appreciate the coaching of it necessarily. I always took him as a guy that was more of an ego manager rather than an X's and O's guys. And I think there's certain teams that need that. And interestingly, I like took the Clippers squad as that. Um, but it seemed to, I mean, you still have to have a level of X's and O's and adjustments being made. And I think that was the big thing with him and Budenholzer was that they were stuck in their ways and not willing to make adjustments. You know, Budenholzer not being willing to play, ride his stars and starters out a bit more and Doc not being willing to go away from some of those bench guys a little bit that were really hurting them. So I think it was a little bit of a hesitant to to adjust at the same speed as, as their opponents were. And, yeah, I mean, so I, I don't know. I, I don't know how I felt about him in Boston too much. Again, I thought he managed egos well and did a fair job with that here. But, I mean, I think you could say that most of the issues in this Denver series, maybe not most, but like a good amount of them you could point to the coaching. Yeah, this is probably an accumulation of things. I'm just looking back at the Clippers' record, and you know they won 56 games. Oh, no, that was right before. So they won 57 games in his first year, lost Western Conference semis, 56 in the second, same result, 53 in his third, lost in the first round, 51 in the, in the fourth, lost in the first round, 48 last year, first round. That one's not really their fault, but. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to go through. I mean, these are really talented teams, and to not get to a Western Conference final, I mean, it's really tough. He's a good coach. He's a very good coach. I'd love to see him in Sacramento. So, And I'm sure you'd love it if he brought Austin Rivers with him. <laughs> There's so many good coaches. Like, I, I would still say Doc's a good coach. It, like, maybe he's not, like, top tier, but I still think he's a good coach. And there's so many, like, available right now. And it's crazy, all these guys that are getting dropped for the tiniest reasons. And, yeah, Luke Walton just, uh, you know, still here. It's really tough. There, You're so right about that. There's a really rich coaching market. And, yeah, man, I mean, I don't know that it's going to be like that a year from now. So we'll, yeah. we'll see. Yeah, but today, um, you know, someone that Sacramento can bring in is obviously a draft pick or, or two or three or four. And they the guys that we're diving into today are two of the last wings that are likely going to be available um, with good size in Tyler Bay and Robert Woodard. And, you know, I think these guys are pretty comparable. We could probably do them side by side, no? I think they're really comparable. I, I'm going to have trouble finding too many points of difference between them. Um, yeah, let, let's absolutely do them together. All right. For the measurements of Tyler Bay, I have six foot seven, 218 pounds. I saw multiple like sources saying that the wingspan was not confirmed or anything, but I saw a couple places have either a seven foot or seven one wingspan for Tyler Bay. Um, and then for Robert Woodard, I have six seven as well. 230 for him, a little bit more weight, and a 7-1 wingspan was what I found for himself as well. And both of these guys, not freshmen. It is a junior season that we're going to be talking about for Tyler Bay and a sophomore season for Robert Woodard, Tyler Bay being Colorado, and Woodard being Mississippi State. Um, yeah, to go through the basic numbers as well for their most recent seasons for Tyler Bay, I have 13 points nine rebounds, and and 1.5 assists, as well as 1.5 steals, 1.2 blocks on 53% from the field, 41% from three on low volume, 74% from the free throw line, and Woodard's basic stats, I have 11.4 points, uh, 6.5 rebounds, 1.3 assists, uh, a touch over one steal, and one block a game each, 49.5% from the field, 42.9% from three. Again, low volume, better than more volume than Bay, though, a uh, larger sample size, that is, and 64% from the free throw line. Kind of threw a lot out there at the beginning to get started, um, but, you know, the basis of both these players is they are defensive-focused, for sure, with impressive wingspans to them. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the place to get started in talking about these guys is the bodies. I think that a lot of what is attractive about these guys uh, to, to NBA teams is that they kind of fit that archetypal mold of a of a three four of a forward. Um, you know, it de- it depends. You know, I've seen some things out there. I I could definitely understand describing Woodard as a potential small ball center. I saw on the ringer that KOC describes Tyler Bay as an interesting center option, which wow. I don't agree with actually. Um, but I think like the the bodies, the physical proportions of these guys is a good place to start. You mentioned it. They're both, you know, relatively similar. Um, Bay six seven, and I'll, I'll say seven foot wingspan. Just gonna go based on Vicini because I. I just kind of trust his process um, a little more in that way. Uh, when he puts out a wingspan, I believe it. But Woodard, you know, six seven seven one wingspan, like the very very similar sized in that way. You definitely mention the weight differential. I think it could be even bigger than yeah. what's listed because Woodard is, yeah, I mean he he is built like a, a brick, uh, you know, a brick house. Um, whereas Bay, it really jumped off the tape to me how skinny he is. His hips are very slender. Um, his legs, like he's got, kind of got like that Kevin Durant thing going on where his legs are just kind of impossibly slender and, and spindly. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Woodard, you know, I, I just I think his frame is a lot more reliable, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that, and and then in regarding athleticism for both of them, I think vertically they're both really good athletes. I would I like Woodard better there. Um, and then if we're talking laterally, neither one of them were like crazy impressive to me. I think a lot of the switchability that they have on ball comes from that seven foot seven one wingspan that you talk about with both of them, uh, especially paired with you know being six seven and and then yeah, the weight that you pointed out, I think that. Um, there's there's two key differences I see with these guys, and one of them has to do with the weight, where partially because of that, like I view Woodard as a four more so. I think he's a little slower laterally, but mainly he can handle the physicality of fours, and I don't think that Tyler Bay could do that um, comfortably at the NBA level right now. I think that you know maybe there's a chance he could put on some weight, but like you said, he does have a pretty slender frame. I don't know if I feel great about that. I definitely see Bay as more of like a if you're talking switchability 2-3 switcher rather than a 3-4 that I see for Woodard. Um, and, and yeah, I, I don't know. I, again, yeah, I mean, neither one of them has a small ball five probably. And, yeah, again, like it's all coming on the defensive end, really. I also do think that um, the discipline of Bay I liked better. I think that Woodard was a bit more jumpy and when he was on the ball, I thought that, you know, part of that being more jumpy wasn't necessarily just getting off your feet, but uh, looking for, for steals or just – I liked Woodard's positioning on the ball and tunneling guys to specific spots a little less, but I liked his off-ball defense and rim protection more, partially because of that additional strength and vertical pop that I felt like he had. So I think that – what, what I'm saying here is I like Woodard more as a rim protector off-ball defender, and I think he has okay on-ball defense, pretty good on-ball defense for a four. And then Bay, I, I like the the defensive playmaking that you get off-ball um, and some okay rim protection for himself as well. But to me, Bay's value more so is on-ball with two threes. Yeah, I I think we're seeing a lot of the same things. Um Woodard, yeah, I, I, there. It's really funny because you're looking at two guys that are six, seven, seven foot wingspans, and you're like, well, one's a three and one's a four. I think that's true, though. I think that Woodard is, and it's a really good thing that Woodard is going to be able to play the four. Um, probably not the five, but yeah, I, I was impressed with his defense, his defensive tape through and through. I actually thought he moved his feet pretty well. He's not, I don't know. You know, I, I'm still trying to identify, like, what an elite, you know, hip flipper, you know, hip flexibility athlete looks like at times. 
but he definitely was staying with guys. There were some lowlights where, you know, he gets beat, but that's going to happen. The highlights looked really good. The highlights for Robert Woodard looked really good. He was sticking with small guys, sticking with big guys, sticking with fast guys, you know, whatever. Um, I, I thought that he handled a, a pretty versatile set of, of offensive weapons well. Um, it's interesting just looking at his synergy. It's, it's interesting how how well he did against a variety of different play types. Um, his real weakness was against the spot-up, which is, you know, not great because a lot of, of attempts in the NBA are going to come from spot-ups. But, I mean, he really shut down a lot of different things. For a, for a guy that's pretty big, 95th percentile defending off screens, uh, 100th percentile defending on handoffs, 96th defending on uh, pick and roll, the roll man there, 98th percentile defending in isolation. Those, you know, those are all smaller sample sizes. Like the spot ups were more possessions than all of those combined, where he was only like 35th percentile defending. But in those sort of ancillary play types, he was really elite. So I, I think that shows the mobility right there. And you can see it on the screen too, but the mobility for him to fight over screens, to read handoffs, and, and all that sort of thing. Yeah, and I put a lot of value in that. I think, you know, I've definitely out of myself as being a uh, defensive preference, I guess, in regards to guys that really catch my eye. So both of these definitely stood out to me. And and for both of these, you know, we are talking, uh, we'll get into it, but likely late first rounders, early mid second rounders um, for the both of them. And yeah, the same way that you mentioned it for Woodard, like I, I do think that I liked the versatility of Bay. Um, like you're saying, switching on to multiple different guys. I think that also one of the pluses for Bay over Woodard was I liked his rebounding better, which was weird because, again, like I do think Woodard is probably more of a four, and I like his vertical bounce better. Um, but, but yeah, Bay was a very impressive rebounder himself, you know, with pulling down um, nine boards a game his junior year, 9.9 in his sophomore year. Also notable, by the way, like I, I messaged Bryant a little bit saying, like I, I thought that this both of these guys would be people that Bryant likes the same way that I, I feel like I like these guys. Um, and, you know, the first thing he pointed out for Bay was his age. And um, I don't know, do you have the exact age in front of you here? Yeah, I think it's 22 and a half, basically, compared right. to – to still under 21 for Woodard. So significant. Like, you know, they're they're a year apart in terms of junior and sophomore, but more like a year and a half. Right, yeah. And uh, Tyler Bay somehow, by the way, was the 1920 Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, absolutely robbed on Yekka Okongwu, um, and was the most improved player in 18-19 between his freshman and sophomore season. Um, yeah, I, I mean, again, most of the value of these guys comes on the offensive end. I think they're both pretty switchable and have some promising rim protection from them. And that in itself, I think, will get you looks with when you're talking the size that, that these guys are working with. But the way that both of them could become players that just don't fit in the modern NBA is the concerns that they have on the offensive end where both of them are extremely limited and probably just catch and shoot guys. Yeah. Um, and regarding the catch and shoot stuff, I, I think we're probably, I think we're on the same page with both of these guys. Uh, I get the feeling that we're, we're going to be on the same page throughout evaluating them, but I mean, I mean, you've got to feel more confident in Woodard with his ability to catch and shoot. I mean, I guess it's even debatable when you look at the, the free throws. So, all right, let's get into shooting here. Um, specifically, Woodard had a good year shooting the ball from long range. He shot 43% on 2.3 attempts. That's a decent amount of volume. It's a respectable amount of volume. It's a good three-point percentage. Now. He also shot 27% in his freshman year, so that is a little concerning. Um, he also only shot 
you know, 62% from the free throw line in his college career. Also concerning. Um, so first let me ask you, how do you how are you weighing that? Woodard's, yeah, I mean, the free throw percentage, like, scares me, you know. Um, and, yeah, there's there's promise with the three-point shooting, uh, especially, like you're saying, specifically in his sophomore year. I mean, you mentioned it, 43% on 2.3 attempts isn't anything to, like, necessarily scoff at. But, yeah, the free throw percentage definitely has concerns. I think that, like, at very least, if he's wide open, I think he's going to hit a pretty good clip of his threes. Yeah, I mean, he seems like he's going to be respectable. Um, you know, just a guy that kind of comes to mind for me uh, to bring a Kings comp into this, does he feel kind of like Daquan Jeffries-esque in a way? Interesting. Interesting. Um, hmm. I hadn't thought of this. I, I kind of see where you're coming from. Bay might remind me of him a little bit more, but I see where you're going here. Like, clearly defensive guys that, yeah, I mean, it's it's about the jumper. And I, I probably like Jeffries putting the ball on the floor a little bit better than both of these guys because I think they're both pretty pretty bad at it, especially Woodard. Um, yeah, yeah. But I, I see where you're coming from. Just, just as a guy that's, like, probably going to make his money or make his spot in the NBA with his versatile defense, but, you know, like, if he's ever got an open lane to the basket, like, he's throwing down a hammer. And and then, like, also, like, the big swing factor is the shot. Yeah, definitely interesting. Um, totally see that there. And, and one of the other major differences between Woodard and Bay for me um, was I felt like and, – and this is hard because it could come down to – what they were asked to do by their coaching and their college teams. I felt like Woodard played outside of his capabilities sometimes. I think that um, he was prone to turning it over a bit more, which was interesting because Bay actually did average more turnovers. I just felt like Woodard tried to do too much um, more often than Bay did. I felt like Bay fit and would be more seamless in, like, fitting into a role. But, again, it's really hard to, like, gauge how much of that was based on what they were asked to do by these college teams, two teams that really are kind of, I mean, not in the upper echelon, to say the least. You've counted on restaurants, and now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may still be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees with their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery, too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on the way. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download DoorDash in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. I know that Colorado, which is Bay's team, was like pretty pretty middle of the pack in the Pac-12. Um, and uh, I'm just looking up Mississippi. I mean, they were I mean they were middle of the pack of the, in the SEC. They're not upper echelon teams. Um, you know, I, I think it's interesting that Reggie Perry is from is coming out of this Mississippi State team as well, who has some draft buzz, who could be picked in the second round as well. Um, I it's it does seem like Woodard played perhaps with the best player of either of them. I mean Reggie Perry, it's it's interesting to me how nice his numbers look compared to Woodard and and compared to anyone on Colorado. But you know, 17 points, 10 boards, two assists you know, basically a block and a steal. It's just interesting to me that he's not the guy 
you know, this comes down to the size thing and the versatility thing and the role thing. Like Pe- Perry's pretty much going to be a center, whereas Woodard, there's a little more intrigue there from an NBA perspective because of the 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 versatility of the six seven, you know, seven foot wingspan type of forward. But yeah, I mean, I I I'm encouraged by the fact that Woodard did more in isolation and created more offensively. Um, neither of them are good ball handlers or passers, but I don't know. I, I mean, this is a good question. When it comes to, like, ISO, do you, would you rather a guy be in ISO and, and, like, you know, have a bunch of plays ran through him in, in ISO but be kind of mundane at it or have a guy just not do it at all? Because that's Tyler Bay's situation. Um, Tyler Bay basically never, ever was used in an ISO possession, whereas Woodard, I mean, he did a, a decent amount. Um, just to give you the exact numbers here, I mean, not, it's not that much, but it, 21 possessions versus five. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think I think Woodard just had a little more volume offensively, had a little more of a primary offensive role, I, I guess. Yeah, and I think that's kind of why, from the bit of film I watched, I felt like he was doing too much. I think he just had it. Like, those ISO possessions didn't really look good, and I don't think either one of these guys can do it. So I don't know if it swings it either way for me. I think that um, that Bay, they went to him in the post, interestingly. Like, he was a four full-time at Colorado. Um, and, yeah, it was interesting to see them do that. Like, I guess he turned the corner okay, but, like, there's no back-to-the-basket game for either one of these guys, really. Um, you know, like the ideal situation would be you can hit an open three and you can attack a closeout, like, two dribbles, pull up. And I think in a ceiling, both of these guys could get to that. I don't feel super confident in either one of them. And you kind of asked me about Woodard's three-point percentage and obviously the questionable free throw percentage. I want to throw you bays and, you know, kind of see how do you feel between the two of them because – Bay also shot, you know, 41.9% from three in his junior season, but it's only 31 attempts. He knocked down 13 of 31. Uh, but the promise for me is is the free throw percentage, right? In that sophomore year, or freshman year, 68.5. Eh. Uh, sophomore year, 78.2, a, a really impressive jump, and that's on 4.1 attempts a game. And then his junior most recent season, 74.3% on 5.9 attempts a game. Like, that's good, a good bit of volume. And I definitely saw some skepticism about Bay's shot. And, and even before I read up on it, like, it was clear, like, his knees go in when he shoots. And Spencer Perlman, the Stepien, pointed out that his elbow kind of flares in a little bit, which is a little concerning. But, like, weirdly, I thought that Bay's shot was smoother than Woodard's. I thought Woodard's was a little clunky. Um, and it almost reminded me of, while wow, I'm dropping the name, I think it's the Clemson, Jacob Evans that the Warriors had gotten. Um, another guy that was, you know, kind of defensive focused coming in. But, but yeah, okay, so back to it. Like, what do you, when you look at the numbers and forms of these two guys, how do you feel about Bay versus Woodard? I, I prefer Bay. I mean, so I'm sorry. <laughs> I prefer Woodard as a shooter. Um, it's not by much. It's like really a coin flip, but the volume for Bay concerns me quite a bit. I know he played in that dunker spot, but I just feel like I feel like if he could shoot, he would be shooting. I don't know. It just I don't know. I I struggle to understand it. I understand like you know a seven foot one wingspan. Maybe this is the guy you stick in the post, and I know that he ran a million post-ups for Colorado, but I, I'm concerned with one three-point attempt a game. Um, yeah. It does bother me. I mean, Woodard has the, you know, he shot almost, you know, he shot more than twice that much, and he shot a better percentage. I think at the end of the day, I do have to give it to Woodard. Um, his form, it... It, it looks good to me. Woodard's form looks good. It 
is a slower load, I guess. Mm-hmm. But he, you know, you can tell that he's. It, it feels like he's coachable. Everything that I've read on him says he's. You know, I think Vicini called him um, an elite character guy. Uh, he feels coachable. Like he looks like just in a shot, it looks like okay, someone built this shot. He's doing exactly what he has to do. Maybe he's doing it a little slowly in order to kind of nail the mechanics. But I'm encouraged by it. Um, I think that it's encouraging that his unguarded uh, percentage is, is really good, significantly better than the guarded percentage. I just feel like that's how he'll be used in the NBA. He's not going to be taking like heavily contested uh, spot-up attempts, right? Um so I think that if he's used in that way in the NBA, I, I totally buy in on the athleticism. I buy in on the defense. I buy in on the frame and the size. So if you're only really looking for him to shoot basically open corner threes, I, I would buy that too. Yeah, I think the Rockets would love both of these guys. Like I Yeah, no, definitely. Um yeah, I think, I think Monty McNair would love both of these guys. Right, right. Uh, wow, I didn't even piece that together. Yeah, um, and, you know, I have some I have some comps here, and these are kind because, you know, I mean, they're NBA player comps that you're talking about here. Um, but for Tyler Bay, an interesting one I saw on a video, I wish I could remember to give credit um, to a YouTube video. He mentioned a, a Trevor Ariza, and Ariza obviously had a super long career, um, but I also thought of like Jay Crowder, Thabo Cephalosha, I thought was interesting for Tyler Bay. Um, I guess before I give Woodard, what do you think of those for Bay? They're okay. Um, I feel like Crowder is, is, is more of like a Woodard comp. To, like, again, these guys are very similar, but mm-hmm. the frame of Crowder just makes it more of a, of a Woodard comp for me. But uh, yeah, Cephalosha is interesting. Yeah, they're okay. I probably picked a little too tall of guys for Woodard now that I think of it, but I put Jeremy Grant and Maurice Harkless. No, the, the, I actually – I don't mind those. Grant's like, what, 6'9", but probably not – I don't know. What it, I'll look at his wingspan, but it's probably not a crazy wingspan. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, decent role players. Like, I guess if we're talking floors and ceilings of these guys, I mean, do you think these guys could be – you know, the fifth starter on on a playoff team? Uh, I mean, so I have a significant separation between them at the end of the day. Like, the player types that they are are very similar. And I'm glad we did them together, talking about all their strengths and weaknesses together because they're the same strengths and weaknesses, really. But at the end of the day, I have wooded a lot higher. Um, I, you know, I mentioned the elite character thing from Bassini. I think it's notable that Bay is not his guy. Um, I don't he know if it's really low on Bay, actually. He is, he is not interested in Tyler Bay. 56th uh, on his big board. And, uh, you know, I, I listened to his podcast and he mentioned, like, he didn't want to put him in his top 60, but he, you know, based on Intel, you know, he knows he's being drafted, so he's going to push him up that list because he just, you know, I mean, there's no need to put him 80th if you know he's going to go in the top 45. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I from, from you know, I think, you know, his opinion could cha- have changed on him, but the last I heard on his podcast, he's like, I'm not, I would not draft Tyler Bay. Um, Crazy. And I don't know if that's like, I'm not trying to connect that with the character thing on Woodard, but. You know, maybe he just doesn't have a read on that. Where maybe with Woodard he does, but ultimately I'm much more into Woodard as a prospect. I think the frame is a big deal for me because if Bay, and what it comes down to is the offensive role of Bay because he's put in this dunker spot in Colorado. He, you know, thirty percent of twenty nine percent point one percent of his offensive plays attempts came out of post-ups. He's not going to post up in the NBA basically ever. So that's his most common possession type. Take that out. Like that's not happening. Um, 
<laughs> and he's not a good shooter. I mean, I mean, he was an okay shooter on extremely small volume, but right. let's assume he's not a plus shooter. I don't even know, like, what he's going to do in, in the NBA. His, his, you know, percentage off of cuts, percentile off cuts, 51%, transition 50th percent. You know, I just don't even really know what his offensive role is going to be. Yeah, interestingly, like, I, well, the optimism I've seen for Bay is definitely that he was mis- – part of it has to be, if you're really high on Bay, that he was misutilized at Colorado in having those post-ups and that the coaching was the reason he didn't – I've seen, like, some people feeling like, you know, he showed some promise, which super small sample again, on, like, pin-down shooting. Um, and I, I don't know how much I saw that, but I think the optimism for him has to come from – thinking he was misutilized at Colorado with some of those post-ups that you mentioned and not getting the shooting opportunities. But I also see your point, and if you know if he was good at it, the team probably would have used that, I would think. Um, I think that between the two of them, I think it's weirdly that Bay has a lower floor but also a higher ceiling because I felt better about Bay's on-ball defense. I think that you know he could guard if he put on some weight, which I don't think is too crazy to put on a little bit more weight that he could cover what most, like, modern fours probably, I think he could switch, like, two to four and even get away with some spotty minutes at ones sometime if you're not talking about, like, elite ones in the league. And I think that that holds a lot of value because for Woodard, to me, it's probably just, like, three fours. I don't know, actually, because you're right. Like, there was film of him switching on to twos a bit as well. I just didn't feel great about his discipline um, and like but, I like the hands of Bay, but throw throw out the ones and two stuff for a second because just like in general, other guys can guard them, right? I I I, I just think for a second, like let me ask you about three the three four the the big wing combo forward type, like you know we always default to it because everyone does, like you know the the Kawhi Paul George types, right? Um, if you had to stick one, because that that's where the money is, right? In in this type of player that everyone covets, that's the money. We're, we don't care if these guys can guard twos. You know, if yeah, you had to put enough. one of the one of them on Kawhi Leonard for you know ten possessions, who would you who would you take? Mm, I think it's Bay actually. Mm, I, yeah, again, no, like I'm this, we finally disagree. I, I'm Woodard 100 percent of the time here. Hmm. Yeah, I think that I felt like Woodard just bit a little more, and I think I like the hands of Bay better. Um, I'm definitely going to have to dive into these guys more, and there's a potential I come back with a spicy take on one one or two of them um, because these are definitely my type of guys. But, yeah, I think – I think you should give us the spice now. We need the ratings. No, 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 no. No, I definitely cannot do it yet (laughs) because I'm going to say it, and then it's going to be one of those I can't sleep at night. No. So we're going to have to hold no, on. No, we, that one we'll, no, we don't. We'll, no, we don't. We'll give you the out. We'll give you the out. We, I'm speaking for all of Let's just say that they're like, these guys are full defensive with offensive swing skills, right? Well, mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, very much debating if I value that more than, like, a full offensive guy with defensive swing skill. Obi Toppin? No, 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 no. Okay, I was going to say. Right. No, no, no. Who's... I'm not. No, I'm, we're not, I'm not just letting you no, keep no, guessing names. So Come, on right. Come on now. Come on now. Two more guesses. Okay, hold on. All right, we're gonna just. Uh, and and again, I I am like very here, much like, debating this. Very much debating. So so the the top take that you're debating giving to us is you're looking at someone that's like potentially late in this area or like late first, and, and you're thinking they could you 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 could say this person over this person, and that person's all offense. Yes, and and I still like have a lot of research to do before I'm really confident in that, and that's why I wasn't gonna drop it. But yes, that is what I'm debating. Okay, and it's not Obi Toppin, and I have two more guesses. Mm-hmm. You're probably gonna guess it. R.J. Hampton? No. Hmm. But are you far? Am I? I mean, would you? Would you go over Hampton? Um. Hmm. Probably not because I think, like, the playmaking potential of Hampton and having the ball in his hands has some value to it. Hmm. Um, I, I'm not going to say Jaden McDaniels because I don't even think that's a spicy take. Yeah. 
Oh, offense. Tyrell Terry? No. No. No, I no. I will uh I might spill the beans after we stop pressing record. And I'm gonna have to come back with the research. What's the worst that's gonna happen? <laughs> I think I think it might uh, again I have to research this, but I don't know. Like what if Aaron E. Smith is just a three point shooter? Wow. And that's literally all that he can do. Okay. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball and Basketball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champion, we'll go with six-time NBA champion, Robert Ory. See what they had to say and what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. I mean, that is spicy, but I, I think that's and, – and we're not – listen, we get it. You're not, like, locking this take in. But it's a good question to ask. I think you're wrong. Um, but it's interesting. It's interesting. I think Tyler Bay, I think you were too high on Tyler Bay. Um, I think the Woodard, you know, I'm certainly going to have Nisbeth over these guys, but the Woodard thing, I, I'm interested in Woodard. I think Bay, I think you might be making a mistake with Bay. Um, I, here, here's the real comp for these two guys to active Kings players. Woodard is a taller Daquan Jeffries, and Tyler Bay is kind of just Justin James. Hmm. I don't know. Like, hmm. I think that... More defensive-minded Justin James. Yeah, yeah. Like, again, I think I just like the defense of Bay better than Woodard, and, and again, I'll have to watch more and fully lay out something better. Um, uh, like have a better reasoning exactly worded in front of me here. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think that um, Bryant has pointed out in this in this postseason that, like, some of these defensive first guys have made a really good impact in these playoffs. Like, I mean, there's some outliers, obviously, but if you look at, like, Lou Dort that you've seen, obviously, um, who is a bit of an outlier, obviously, um, but you see, yeah, I mean, you can't really say, like, hmm. Well, the thing is, you can get those guys out of the G League. That That's, like, that. this is where you can't get the Aaron Neesmiths out of the G League. Like, the draft is still the draft. But what, well, but you can't, like, I mean, like Duncan Robinson. Okay, I mean, I, I get where you're coming from there. I get where you're coming from there. Um, I... I don't know. I think I, the world are fewer and further in between than the defensive guys because, like, you legit can get Decon Jeffries out of the G League, right? And, and it's hard to not like think of Josh Jackson when you think of both of these guys as well, who obviously was way more coveted going into the draft. Offensive skills. This is still an offensive league. This is still right. a league where your offense is more important than your defense, and I think that. At least you need to have a theory of how your offense is going to work. And I think that theory needs to be stronger than, you know, he shot a decent percentage on, like, one three-point attempt per game. Right. And both of these guys, I struggle, you know, if if opposing teams just – like, I don't think you're going to leave them wide open from three, ignore them. But if you just close out extremely hard, run them off the line, I don't know what either one of them are going to do on offense. Yeah, so to get to your question like a million years ago, I don't think that either of them can be starters on a on a championship team or on a good team, honestly. Mm-hmm. I, I think that maybe like full ceiling, they could be a fifth starter. But it's I, I, I'm not going to include like those crazy situations outliers, where right. the late like the Lakers have all their money in three players and they just right, take right. anyone um, that can play a little defense and hit an open shot. But like on like you're talking about building a team here, um, 
No, I, I I think I would probably have Woodard probably capped out as like a maybe a six man, maybe um, more like a seventh man. And and Bay I really see as you know more of a, a mm-hmm. deeper rotation guy. I I think that part of it for me is like you're right. It's an offensive league, obviously, but I think that it's a lot of it has to do with these. I, I see them on on teams with with engines, with clear engines, where you're talking a a Dallas, a Houston, or L.A. sort of situation where these guys can just focus on the defensive end of the ball and catch and shoot. And that's all they're really asked of. And, you know, good teams will force them into out of those comfort zones. But I think that there are certain teams where I could see that potentially happening. But I, I guess, that, again, that's kind of like against what you were saying, right? I mean, it's just not a player you take in the first round. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I don't know. So to get to, you know, Sacramento, really early second rounder, 35 here, we've mentioned feeling like the point guards or who should they should take a look at here. Um, let me know if I forget anyone, but like a Trey Jones, Nico Mannion, Tyrell Terry, Cassius Stanley or Cassius Winston, excuse me, Devon Dotson, those sort of guys. Do you consider Bay and, and or Woodard in this range? I do, yeah. I'm, I'd be thrilled with Woodard at 35. Uh, there are probably a few of those guys that I'd be equally happy with. Um, mm-hmm. I think I'm uh, getting a little bit lower on uh, Cassius Winston like especially if you look at Woodard's age versus the four-year senior like Winston um you know I think I think they're in this mix like they I have reasons to be worried but at the end of the day he's just the last guy that I think is going to be anything who can actually play the small forward position so there's value in that so I wouldn't be angry at it at 35. Yeah. You, you know, you messed me up with these Taquan Je- with this Taquan Jeffries comp for these guys. I think it's actually really accurate. I think it works. It, Jeffries is listed at six five, um, but he okay. has a seven foot seven foot wingspan, so it's pretty comparable. I think he's more of a Woodard weight. Um, I think like Woodard is just like a slightly larger Jeffries. Um, and, and to be fair, like he also shot a lot better from three than Jeffries did in his final year in college. So, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I mean, I think he could be, like, a little bit better than Jaquan Jeffries, like, coming in here, and he's going to be significantly younger than Jeffries at this point. Um, whereas whereas Bay, I, I do see as, like, maybe a better – where Justin James is at, but but already better at defense coming in. It's, it's, the, it's the frame here that I'm mostly going for. Okay, so I kind of see where you're coming from there, yeah. Um, when it comes to Sacramento's pick at 35, there is, I wouldn't be mad at either one of these there, but for the most part, like, I mean, especially Trey Jones, like, if, if we're talking a point guard that you have confidence being a solid backup point guard for, you know, what, seven years that, that you might be able to have him around rookie contract and then, uh, the extension after that as well, then, which I do really like Trey Jones for that sort of situation, and I'm 100% taking him there. But some of the later ones, as long as it's not a wing that you took at 12, which it probably is, but if they didn't, then I probably would be looking at Bay and Woodard a little a little bit closer. Um, again, yeah, I wouldn't be mad at either one of these, but I probably am still leaning towards towards these guards at 35 for Sacramento. But, yeah, I mean, once we get to 43, I'm pretty pretty damn happy with both of them, actually. Yeah, I don't have my big board filled out past 30, but my guess is by the end of all of our scouting episodes or whatever, I think Woodard is going to land somewhere between 30 and 35, and Bay will end somewhere between, like, 36 to 40. Mm-hmm. That's, where I'm, that's where I'm coming down on it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that I wouldn't be super shocked to see one of these guys be a late first rounder. I don't know. I mean, some of the other names you see there, I, I definitely prefer over them. But again, like, I, I don't know. I think that these guys could be 
good role players on a team that has a high usage uh, engine to run their team um, and then just kind of fill the holes on the defensive end that I think they both do pretty well. But, yeah, I think that I'm definitely going to be diving into both of these more. I think they're extremely interesting in some of the last wings that you're really dealing with in this draft that are defensive-focused with this size and in-plus wingspan that are really three fours that seem to be so valued in today's league. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what else to mention with these guys, man. Yeah, that's about it. Um, for the next one, I think we said – Nico Mannion and Malachi Flynn. Those are some of the guards okay. that you were debating there with Woodard and Bay. Yeah, I like it. Definitely want to dive into those two a little bit more. And, uh, yeah, to, to anyone listening, I uh, I recently moved, so that was the little bit of issues with consistencies and uploading, but we'll definitely get right back on track, and I'm glad to be doing all of uh, all these draft profiles. Finally got time to dive into it again today, and I really do enjoy doing these. No, definitely. And we got just about uh, the perfect amount of time here before before the draft. What is it now? Uh, six, seven, eight weeks away? We can, we can really uh, finish this out. But, uh, yeah, that's about it for me, man. Definitely, yeah. Well, thanks to everybody for listening to this episode. Definitely. <laughs> oh, yeah. There we go. All right, so uh, make sure you go visit kingsherald.com and uh, go eat. Yeah, go eat. Go check out the Patreon over there and support independent Kings coverage. And if you enjoyed this episode, please uh, subscribe, rate, and review. And you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days. Definitely go eat. How will... <laughs> <laughs>